You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. As many of you know, most of us here at the Master Photography Podcast are huge fans of Squarespace, and that's because they make it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling prints or products of any kind. With beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support is there to help. So head on over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and, and this episode is going to be just a little bit different. It tends to be one of our most popular episodes of the entire year. No matter how much we talk about photography not being all about the gear, Everyone clings to the hope that they, if they upgrade their gear, if they had more gear, if they had better gear, that it was going to improve their photography because it can't possibly be the photographer that needs to improve. Okay, honestly, it's kind of hand in hand. You got to have good gear too, but we spend too much time as photographers focused on gear and now we're going to have an entire episode about it, but that's okay. That's what this episode is all about. It's the holiday gift guide for 2018. And, uh, and we're going to jump right into it. Now, the other thing that's going to be different about this episode is that none of us could actually get together this week, this episode. We couldn't find the time. The, the holiday season is upon us, and it's just too chaotic and too hectic. And so we kind of, we just, we're going to do a little different approach this time. Instead of being on together and, and recording the show, we, uh, we all kind of recorded our audio separately and then they send it to me and I'm going to mash it all together and, and hope that it makes for a pretty good show. You're going to definitely want to check out the show notes too over at masterphotographypodcast.com and you'll be able to see all of the links because we're going to have tons of links to different things that we're recommending for our holiday gift guide. We're going to break it down in several categories. We're going to start at the smallest budget point, $25, and then work our way up to the bigger items, bigger things that we'd spend money on. Uh, a lot of this is stuff that we recommend, uh, things that we want to buy, things that we want to get, things that we've even bought through the year. And, and we'll hopefully we'll, we'll do a good job of telling you kind of if we have good experience with it or if we don't. And, uh, and then hopefully and give you some ideas, some suggestions. Maybe you want to send this off. You could go send like just the show notes. They don't have to listen to the, all of the audio, but send all the show notes off to uh, a significant other or a friend or a parent, relative, someone who, who's got you on their wish list or their gift list and, uh, and suggest to them some things that maybe they could, uh, could get you as a photographer. So I hope it's fun. I hope you enjoy it. And we'd love to have you use the links in the show notes. If you go use our links, it'll it'll help us uh, to get a little bit of uh, money back from Amazon or B and H and and their uh, so their affiliate links. If you go use those, then it, it helps with the show just a tiny bit. You don't pay any more money, but it helps with the show. So you can pass on those links too. We'd love it if it is going to somebody else to buy you the gift. Then send them on those links. All right, let's get straight into it. The first budget category. Under or about $25. And this is a hard category. It's really tough because 
as you think about it as a photographer, what have you bought that was really helpful to you that was less than $25? And I'm guessing that list is going to be pretty small. So it's, it's, it's hard to think through this. It's hard to come up with some ideas, but we have some. And we're going to hear Brent has some suggestions first. All right. Yeah. My first one is actually kind of generic almost. It's a book filled with inspirational photos and somehow something that's inspirational to you, whatever genre you're in. I'm kind of in the landscape genre. And there's one called Masters of Landscape that was published in June of this year, 2018. And I really like this one. It just has, what is it? I don't know, somewhere between 25, maybe 15 and 25 super high quality landscapists and it goes really in detail about who they are the type of photography they're they do and what they're known for and it's i just find it really inspirational to look at something like this you know if in the northern hemisphere here it's winter and sometimes you know a lot of us just don't get out as much in the winter time that's when i would do thinking about doing a lot of my planning and thinking and dreaming and you know scheming for the future so I would definitely recommend a book like this. Really, anything, though, can work. If you're uh, into portraits, if you're into street photography, they've got all kinds of books out there. And the thing about this, too, where I'm recommending a book instead of something on the web is just to encourage you to kind of sit back and relax with photography and, you know, kick back in your easy chair on your couch, whatever the case is, and just enjoy reading for, for reading's sake and enjoy looking at the images and soak those in uh, just in a different environment, getting away from the computer, but feeling it in a different aspect. So that's, that's my recommendation for the under 25, but let's face it. I kind of called it um, under or about 25 for mine, because the, some of these books do go a little over the $25 range. All right. So Brent's suggestion with books. I like that too. I think, I think there is a lot of value in looking through how masters of photography, how people who are really good at this craft, how they get photos, what kinds of compositions they're having. Now, there may be often exotic locations that you're not going to, but no matter what, you can kind of look at those and you can learn from them. Now, let's let's go turn to Brian and see what he wants to, to suggest in this category. See, so here's the hard thing about doing this is, you know, the holidays are coming and my kids have wish lists of things that they'd like to get, but I see, you know, this list that we're coming up with and it's hard because I want these things and I want to spend money on, on my wish list from all of your guys' great suggestions. But uh, I guess the good thing is I don't have the money to spend right now. So therefore I don't have to worry about it, but I do know I will be holding on to this and coming back to it. If I have to come up with a recommendation uh, around $25 or under, that's kind of hard because, you know, a lot of our photography gear tends to be so expensive. But um, I would say, to me, uh, um, a good gift for under $25 for a photographer is some type of magazine subscription. Uh, you know, just something that we get that just inspires us. Now, I personally, I like to get the printed copies of it. Uh, I find that when I subscribe to magazines digitally, I end up just kind of forgetting about them. But when I walk past my stack of magazines and I see, oh, I've got, you know, three uh, outdoor photographer magazines there I haven't looked through yet, or a couple of National Geographic magazines, 
to me, that that's a reminder. Plus, there's just something there is something different about seeing pictures in print, which I am horrible at doing for my own family, which my my wife would um, would agree with. But so I would say that having some type of magazine subscription, if you're an outdoor photographer um, or a travel photographer or portraits, whatever your uh, specific interests are, I think uh, that a magazine subscription is great. And they're so affordable today compared to how they used to be. So for under $25, you can probably get two, maybe even three subscriptions that will last you a year, maybe even up to two years. So that would be my recommendation. Okay, magazine subscription. So Brent and Brian, they're both on the same page, even though we weren't talking together. Uh, just getting more inspiration, seeing those photos from those masters, those people who spent a lifetime uh, craft, getting, getting uh, mastering their craft. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good thing. So a couple of good ways to be able to do that there. Mine's going to be more, more gear. <laughs> I'm not going to go after the inspiration stuff. Those two have it covered pretty well. I'm going to suggest uh, rechargeable batteries. Uh, for 15 bucks, I'm going to recommend the Duracell uh, 2450 milli- milliamp hour rechargeable battery pack. And um, you might be thinking, I, I, there's probably a lot of you thinking, Duracell, come on, that is not the brand of battery that you should use rechargeable batteries. It's the Panasonic Eneloop batteries. Those Eneloop are the batteries to use, and, and they are fine batteries. Those are really good batteries. Panasonic in a loop, you can't go wrong with those batteries for sure. If you buy those, they're going to they're gonna charge uh, well, they're going to last a long time, and they are going to make your flashes pop really well. But a little bit ago, I had my, my friend Brian Pex, who's interacti- in a, very interactive on our Facebook groups, um, which you can join, by the way, by searching for Master Photography Podcast on Facebook. You do have to ask to join the group. And you have to answer a question. We have to do that so that we can keep the spammers and the bots out of the group. We only want listeners in there. And the question is super hard. You have to answer a name of a host on the show. So that's Jeff or Brian or Brent from this episode. Connor and Erica will also work. Or Lord Page, if you know Nick Page, and he's been on the show, he's a good friend of the show, then uh, then his name will work too. Put in Lord Page and you'll be whisked right into the group. All right, okay, so back to this. Brian Pex, he, he interacts a lot with us on the, uh, on the Facebook group, and good friend, and he did some testing. He used a young new flash, and he charged up the batteries. He got a whole bunch of different brands, charged them up a, a sufficient amount of time to make sure all of them were fully, fully charged. And then he took he he put them into the flash, and he popped with the flat power at like full power, and he pops the flash as fast as he could, getting full pops until they died out. So he had had it turned on where it would whine until it was charged, and then hit the button again to pop the flash. And and as he did that. He, uh, he was able to kind of find how the performance works. How well do these batteries charge up that flash between pops so that they're ready to go again? And what he found was there really isn't a lot of difference between these Duracell and the Eneloop batteries, that they performed really, really similarly. In fact, the Duracell kind of slightly, ever so slightly outperformed the Eneloop batteries. And the batteries, the Eneloop batteries are much, much cheaper. So, or I'm sorry, the Duracell batteries are much, much cheaper. So 15 bucks and you can get those. These are the ones I've been using ever since he kind of did that research. I wish I had a thought of it before he did, but <laughs> he did the research. I benefit from the information. I'm sharing it with you again. And it's uh, it's really good. I, I have 20 of these now that I rotate through my flashes. I absolutely love them. Now, if you are still thinking that Eneloop is just what you've got to have, 
I'm going to give you another piece of advice. It's not as universal because it's not available everywhere, but IKEA actually sells rechargeable batteries. Yes, that's right. The furniture store IKEA sells rechargeable batteries. And they sell what to all, by all appearances and from testing, seems to be exactly the same thing as the Panasonic Eneloop batteries, but in a different branded shell. Of course, it doesn't say Eneloop on the side. In fact, it says LADA, L-A-D-D-A. And, but they're 2450 milliamp hour batteries, and um, they're only $7 for four of them. So that's even cheaper than the Duracell batteries. The gotcha would be it's only cheaper if you can actually walk into a store and buy them. Um, if you haven't had them shipped, then by the time you add the shipping on, it's going to be similar to the Duracell costs, uh, maybe even more. So if, if you have that ability, that's another option that you can think of. All right, let's jump into the next category, the under $100 category. And we're going to start with Brian on this one. Under $100. Wow. So uh, my recommendation for under or around $100 would be the Platypod Max. And what I love about this thing I, I have is that it allows me to uh, to set my camera up. You know, the Platypod is kind of like um, like a flat tripod type type base that you can hook your camera up to and you can set it down low and it's got little feet so you can kind of adjust it a little bit. But what I love about it is I love the perspective of lying down and I lie down a lot when I'm, uh, when I'm shooting, whether it's in a, a football game or in a wedding or doing some type of portraits, especially with kids. And uh, I, I think there's, it's, it's just helpful to be able to have something flat that can get it closer to the ground because a lot of times you know with my tripod I'll open the legs and it'll go down low but it can only go so far where sometimes I need it to go that little extra um, distance closer to the ground and oftentimes I may be using my tripod for something else whether it's lights or a second camera as well uh, to you know for recording a video or something but the Platypod Max I love it it's it's uh, fairly small it fits in any travel bag it's easy to use it technically is not a tripod or a monopod so you may be able to easily get away with using it uh, when you're traveling in places that do not allow those. So for under $100, uh, the, the Platypod Max is a really good uh, tripod type thing to hold your camera and just uh, get the shots that you want from a lower perspective or even to be able to have it you know, nice and sturdy when you're setting it down somewhere else, whether it is up high or, or on a shelf or wherever it may be. So that is my recommendation for under $100. Okay, so Brian with the Platypod Max, I uh, I gotta check that thing out. I, that might be something I need to have on my wish list too. I know he loves it. I know Levi Sim loves it. I, there's a whole bunch of photographers uh, I know who really really love that Platypod Max and feel like it gives them some options that they just can't get any other way for taking shots. And, and I'm gonna have to go check that out. But okay, let's move on to Brent for the under one hundred dollar category. All right, for the under $100 range or somewhere in that neighborhood, I think it'd be really cool to get some custom lens caps from LensBuddy, L-E-N-Z-B-U-D-D-Y. And they have some of their own pre-made ones. So you could like get the, the rear cap that might have, let's say it might say it's the 100 macro, or maybe you've got a 70 to 200 or a 100 to 400. And then of course you can get them the same on the front where it says maybe it's your 85 millimeter, your 50 millimeter, whatever. But they also have a service where they will put your own item on there, your own logo, your own contact info, whatever it is that you want. So you could have custom lens caps, and that would be kind of cool. I think that'd be kind of fun to have. 
Certainly the ones that they have, if you were to buy them individually, they're going to be way less than $100. But the reason I said about 100 is if you were to kind of get a collection, if you have four or five lenses, it's going to run you about 100 bucks. And I really like Brian's one there, that Platypod. I've been wanting one long enough. I think I just need to break down and get one myself. All right. Now for my pick, I think every photographer should have a nifty 50 lens. So for those who may not know what that means, I, we have new listeners that come on all the time who are just starting on their path, their photography path. So a, a nifty 50 is a fast, which means it's like an, op- an aperture that opens all the way up to f1.8. A fast prime, a prime lens means it's one that doesn't zoom in and out. Um, so a fast prime lens, it's 50 millimeter focal length. That's a nifty 50. 50 millimeters, fast lens that goes to 1.8. Really fun lens to shoot. And for people who are starting out, this is going to improve your image quality tremendously over those kit lenses that come with your camera. Now, not because the glass is is really a lot better itself, but it's that aperture. Because you can get down, to, you can open it up to 1.8, go down on the number. I, it's, it still trips me up as I say it, even though I know it really well, it still trips me up. I want to say down to, to 1.8 when really it's opening up to 1.8, but... That's a different discussion. Those kit lenses, the ones that come with your camera, they're usually very limited. At the, at the very widest they go is f3.5 usually. And uh, and then if you zoom, if you're zooming in at all, then it's, it's going to go probably only down to 5.6. Uh, sorry, down. It only opens up to 5.6. And, uh, and boy, getting being able to open up to 1.8, it just makes things especially indoors, so much better, so much more that you can do with it. You have a lot more options. Now, you can't zoom in and out, of course. It's a prime lens, but it it just makes it so that you can explore photography in a much more significant way than you can with the lenses that came with your camera. Now, I prefer the name brand lenses here. I, I try to find any place I can where I don't go name brand in order to save money, especially when the quality is not very different. In this case, the quality is pretty different, but they don't fit into the $100 category. In fact, they're a little over at like $130, maybe a slightly more for the name brand, for the Canon, the Nikon, for the Fuji, for, for the name, the Sony. Those name brand nifty 50 lenses are going to be higher quality than the one I'm going to recommend here, but they're more money, so they don't quite fit in the category. And as the hobbyist photographer on the show, I have to pinch my pennies, and i got to represent the real world here. <laughs> real world for people that are paying for this out of their own pocket, and it's not their business. And uh, so I'm going to stay under the category by quite a bit, and I'm going to recommend the Young Nuo brand of Nifty 50. It's still a 50 millimeter prime that uh, opens all the way up to f1.8. The Canon mount runs about 50 bucks. The Nikon mount runs 65. They don't have it in any other mounts. So if you do shoot a different brand than Canon or Nikon, you are only going to have the more expensive option here. It's totally worth it because as lenses go, $150, $200 for a lens is very inexpensive. You can't even get the kit lenses for, for that little. And, uh, and the quality is going to be just tremendously better. So I would go get those. I did see as I was kind of looking for other options, there is a 7 Artesians branded Fuji lens that was a lot less expensive. It was under $100, but I have no experience with it. So I don't know what it is. I'll throw a link in the show notes if you're a Fuji shooter and you wanted to go here. But uh, I can't speak to how good or bad the quality is. The Young Nuo brand 
it's fine. It it does great. I've I've I bought one to test it out and compare it to my Canon Nifty Fifty, and for the most part, you really can't tell the difference. The difference is in the build quality. The young newer lens is not going to hold up as well. It just feels really uh, plasticky, and something's going to fall apart. So I I really recommend the the name brand if you can afford it. But in this budget category, especially if it's a gift from somebody else to you and you're starting out as a photographer, this is a great thing that you could suggest to a family, a friend, or loved one to uh, to send you for this holiday season. All right, let's move on to the $250 category, and we're going to start with Brent. All right, in the under $250 category, my recommendation is a portable or a small external SSD, and I'm looking in the neighborhood of a one terabyte. You can get probably a two terabyte now for in the neighborhood of $250, maybe slightly more. But I would look for a one terabyte for myself because that's basically the size of what my internal hard drive is on either of my computers. I have a computer for my work and I have a computer at home and both of them have one terabyte internal hard drives. And the biggest reason I'm thinking about this is to get myself a bootable clone. So just a little bit of insurance. If I have problems I want to be able to have that insurance and say, you know what, I can plug this into any Mac and, well, I should say any modern Mac, and I'd be able to keep running and and have all of my everything just like my regular computer, uh, but I'm using it any hardware. So by keeping up with a bootable clone, I'd be able to to just do that almost like magic. But certainly these have other uses too, especially if you were to go with the the higher size, you know, maybe that could be your your image repository. So for instance, I actually have a one terabyte already that holds my Lightroom catalog and my unedited photos and a few other miscellaneous items, but that's pretty much its sole purpose. And then when I'm done with the edit, and what I mean by edit, I mean choosing which ones I'm going to you know, keep around versus the others get trashed. I then move those to a different hard drive, which is a slower hard drive, but I move them to a different, much larger hard drive. And that way I can always have my library of images, my catalog on an external and I can plug it into any computer I want and I have everything right there. And so that's a a good way to um, keep your images handy as well. And so uh, that could be another use case for an SSD like this. I have to say, I just love Brent's suggestion here. And I'm kind of mad because he stole it from me. <laughs> I mean, he put it in the show notes first, so he gets to suggest it first. But I uh, I love this option. It's super good as an option, especially for adding it to a Mac, like he said. MacBook Pro, the Mac Mini. I've had a lot of photographers who've gone over to phototacopodcast.com and read my Mac or my photographer's buying guide to the Mac Mini, uh, where I suggest like the configuration options that you should use to to buy a Mac Mini. And um, and and this is like the perfect companion to the Mac Mini or the MacBook Pro because you don't have like a you know a lot of internal storage options. This is way better to spend money on this than to spend the gobs of money that Apple wants for internal storage to get up to two terabytes and a, a much better option. So you can you can lower your expenses and pay for this and then some uh, by doing that. All right. So next, let's go to Brian. Oh. Nope, Brian doesn't have an option in this category. He couldn't think of anything that was under 250 uh, that he didn't already have and or something that he had that was so impressive that he'd do it. So I'm going to tell you what mine is. And it was kind of a stretch here, but stay with me. Stay with me. So I'm going to choose a starter kit 
for off-camera flash. And, you know, in this area, we've talked a ton about this on the show over the years. The Young Nuo um, flashes used to be my recommendation here. For getting started, it's something that I'm still using. I still have Young Nuo, and Young Nuo is still a great way to get started. But I am switching my recommendation over to Godox equipment. It's also named Flashpoint. It, uh, both brands are exactly the same thing. But I'm, I'm switching to Godox. And it's because there are more options to grow. You can, the starting, the basic beginning levels, the money it takes to get started is mostly the same, almost exactly the same as the Young Noah start. And Young Noah has some other flashes that you can grow into, some other options that are more powerful. But I am so impressed with what I've gone to with the more advanced and bigger flashes, flash options, like flash strobes, really, they are in the Godox 8200s. But that's not going to fit in this budget category at all. So instead, what I'm going to recommend is starting off with two Godox TT600 flashes. They run about $64 a piece. We'll have links in the show notes to what they are. So you can go buy them on Amazon. And then a trigger to control the flashes remotely and fire the, tra- the flashes, both both things. It's the Godox X-Pro trigger, and it runs about 70 bucks. And uh, there's different options. So I have links to all of these for Canon, for Nikon, for Sony, for Fuji, and for Olympus Panasonic. You can get a Godox X-Pro trigger that will work on all of those camera brands. And uh, for all of them, they run about $70. So with the two flashes and the controller, that comes to about 200 bucks. So you have $50 left in this category. You could add a third flash going slightly over budget there. And that's not a bad idea. It's nice to have three of them. But there's not a lot you can do with two flashes or three flashes without having a little bit more in equipment. You can add some light stands. Uh, Newer offers a six-foot stand for about 17 bucks. I'll put that link in the show notes. That would help you to get started. But I do have to warn you that you shouldn't have high expectations for those stands. You shouldn't expect them to last very long. Uh, they're not likely to really... Uh, they're they're going to find that you need taller light stands than that too, than six feet. But as a way to get started for a really inexpensive price, that's a good, good price. And they're going to work good enough to get started and make it so you can get into flash. And if you like it, if you think you're really getting, you, you want to pursue it, then you can invest more money into the gear later. Uh, I'd finish it off then with two newer 33-inch reflective umbrellas that run about $12. But as I'm recording this and as I was getting the links to put in the show notes, that particular item, the two that you buy at once for 12 bucks, so it's not 12 per umbrella, it's $12 for the both of them, then uh, they weren't available on Amazon. They were kind of sold out. So the next best option is from Limo Studio. I don't think the brand matters is kind of the, the point here. But Limo Studio 40-inch, so they are slightly bigger, which is probably good. I, I, I think it's nice to have bigger umbrellas. They run about 20 bucks for two of them. And so all of that puts me about $2 over budget if you do get the $20 um, umbrellas. So there you go. That's a beginner kind of starter kit for light or for flash for under $250. All right, $500 category. Now we're starting to talk some money, right? Now it's something that's actually kind of valuable. And we're going to start off with Brent again. All right, for the under 500 range, I think people know I I really do like bags. I'm a I'm still on the search for the perfect bag. 
I have yet to try out the Peak Design Travel line, and they have you know different camera inserts and all that kind of stuff. So with that uh, in mind, what I would look for is to just get one insert with it that'll take you up to about the 500 range, uh, maybe a little less on this. But it looks to be a really smart bag. It's slightly larger than what I would like for just a camera bag, but you know this is their travel bag. It's intended to be uh, pretty much any everything you need. And so it's, it looks to be a really well configured bag and I'm, I'm pretty interested to try that one out. So I don't know if I'll be able to ever get one, but you know, if I had an extra 500 bucks laying around or if someone else has an extra 500 bucks and you want to get me something, that would be the one that I would think would be really sweet to have. That bag comes in right now at about $300 actually. But again, if you add that uh, cube or whatever else you're going to do with uh, some of their packing cubes that they have, that's where it's going to take it up close to the 500 range. Looks to be really well made. I have another Peak Design bag, their uh, Messenger 13, and Everyday Messenger 13. And that's definitely well constructed and I like their stuff. And um, I just think it'd be a great bag. I know Brent is always on a pursuit to find bags. It's so funny to hear him always talking about them and recommending them. But um, it sounds like a good bag. I know I'm just happy with what I've got, which is nothing very, I mean, it's mind shift stuff and I, I love it and I'm not going anywhere else with it. So, um, but Brent, Brent always loves that stuff. All right, let's move on to Brian. Under $500. Oh, that's a lot of money to be spent on something. However, for me, I have been wanting the new GoPro seven black, uh, I have an older GoPro. It's GoPro 3, I believe. And uh, it was fun to use, but there's just all, I often find myself not using it because it's kind of inconvenient at times uh, because, you know, you don't have the screen on the back of it. So you're not able to kind of see what you're shooting. And um, I, I just wasn't, I, I love the concept and I love having it to record and, and to take with me for some travels, but I couldn't always see where it is um, I was shooting because there was no screen. But you know, some of the later ones do have the screen on it as well as the GoPro Hero Black or Hero 7 Black. Um, you know, they're ranting and raving about the stabilization in it. I do not have this item yet, so that's why it's on my wish list because I would like to get it. Uh, as far as pictures go, it's kind of uh, 12, I think it's a 12 megapixel right now, but the the video quality is great. And when I travel, I love to try to get good quality video of some of my travels just for myself as well as for some little video things that I'm kind of playing with. So I, I think the the GoPro, having a GoPro is a great item and definitely under 500 bucks. I think it's like $400 if you don't count all the accessories to it. Um, I'm sure a lot of us already have them, but uh, that would be my recommendation for under $500. Brian has talked about getting a GoPro 7 for a while now. He's wanted to get into the show for quite a bit and uh, now he has the chance to do it. So uh, that's good. I wish I, I'd like to have the GoPro 7 too. I, I use a GoPro 3 as well and I, I used it in my recent Christmas tree video and uh, I shared that out over on Facebook. So if you follow me on Facebook, you, you can go find the video I did here in 2018 of me and my family setting up the Christmas tree. We do a time-lapse video of it every year. Kind of fun the, the way that we've, we've done that. Okay, so as to my recommendation here, I know it's going to sound totally self-serving, but I really do think that the best thing you can spend $500 on for photography related this holiday season is not gear, not computer components, which is going to sound crazy coming from me, I think, because you'd all expect that. But 
the really the best thing, and I've been convinced of this over the last couple of years, the best thing is a conference or a workshop. You are going to learn so much more about your photography. You're going to become masters of your craft so much faster by doing that versus spending money on gear or computer components or, or really anything else. Getting around people who are like-minded, who are passionate about photography, and yeah, you know where I'm headed with this, the Create Photography Retreat. And I, I have to recommend it here because normally conferences and workshops are going to be a lot more money than this. They will not fit into a $500 budget. But the Create Photography Retreat does. At just $417 for the tickets right now, it is an absolute steal. Now, travel put on top of it, you're probably over the $500 budget. In fact, I'm pretty sure you're going to be. But the tickets, and that's what you're buying at the holiday time, or, or that's what the people who are buying you gifts at the holiday time, if, if they want something that's around 500 bucks that they can give you, that is just an impressive deal. If you use our link, which I'll put in the show notes, and coupon code MPPODCAST, so that's capital M, uh, as in monkey, MPPODCAST, you know, stands for Master Photography Podcast, um, and if you use that at checkout, you get $30 off at the ticket price. So it's going to be even less, give you a little bit more money for that, that travel to get there. And uh, just so you know, I'm, I'm also offering workshops before and after that retreat. I haven't publicized it much yet, but I think we have it all set up now. And, and over at createphotographyretreat.com, you can go sign up for this. You can register for the conferences. So prior to the retreat, I'm going to do a workshop that teaches you how to use your camera like a ninja. I did it last year and we lo- they, they loved it. I had a lot of participants who just thoroughly enjoyed that workshop. And many of them even came in thinking, it's okay. I have the exposure triangle down. I, I know how to use my camera. I'm just kind of looking for some help or uh, figuring out how to do some advanced things like maybe bracketing or exposed to the right or some of the stuff that we've talked about a little bit on the show that they're not sure how to do. And we're going to go through that in this workshop. But at the end of the workshop, a lot of the participants who felt that way, that they already kind of knew the exposure triangle, they said, nah, I didn't really know the exposure triangle. I didn't really understand how to get to exposure, how to make sure I used my settings so that I can arrive at the right exposure. So if you're if you're where to a point where you think that you're you've got it pretty well, but you don't regular like you regularly have some challenges with exposure, then I, I recommend that uh, that you go to this workshop my, it's to, before the the retreat. Then after the retreat, we're going to focus on Lightroom. In a course, I'm going to do a workshop on Lightroom. Uh, spend an entire like eight hours just going through Lightroom. We're gonna, I'm calling it a Lightroom 201 course because you will be a little better off if you're somewhat familiar with Lightroom already, but you, you, you'll you still get a lot out of it if you've never even run Lightroom. You do have to have a computer that you can bring there. You need Lightroom on it so that you can get the most out of the course and can follow along. But I'm going to go through Lightroom. I'm going to go through every module, every panel, every slider, every adjustment brush, everything that there is. And, and I'm going to teach you how to use it. And uh, so if you're interested in those, they're $250 a piece and uh, for, for each one. And it'd be a great way. If you've already got a ticket to the workshop, you can go register for, or sorry, a ticket to the retreat. You can go and register for these workshops for each one for about, uh, about the $500 budget as well. So it's another option. Before we move on to the $1,000 budget category where we're talking about some serious money, uh, we have to thank a, a sponsor of this episode. 
turn your dream into a reality with Squarespace, just like most of us here at Master Photography. We love Squarespace, and that's because they make it easier than ever to launch your passion project. So whether you're looking to start a new photo business, showcase your portfolio, publish blog posts, sell products or prints, or whatever it is you want to do, Squarespace is the tool for you. They have beautiful templates that were created by world-class designers, and you have the ability to customize those templates with just a few clicks, so you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. Squarespace also has a powerful e-commerce tool that lets you sell anything online, and they have analytics that will help you grow your site in real time. And the best part, in my opinion, is that everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, so you don't have to spend time building a second mobile website for SEO purposes. Buying domains through Squarespace is simple, and you'll get the help you need with Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support. So head on over to squarespace.com slash improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash improve, offer code improve. And we'll move on to the $1,000 budget category. We're going to start with Brent again. All right, for this category, actually, I'm quite a bit under that limit of $1,000. Uh, this one is coming in at about $600, and I imagine you could get your free shipping depending where you order from. But it's a, a BenQ monitor, and this one happens to be 27 inches. It's a 2560 by 1440 resolution, so it's that nice medium area in resolution. You know, that it's more than HD, but it's less than 4K, and that's pretty much in today's terms of, you know, technology as it relates to Lightroom and our computers and able to drive, you know, a good signal and all that stuff with Lightroom, basically. Um, that's a good happy medium, you know, for performance and all that good stuff, but we're still seeing some really good details. But I like the BenQ, and then there's, of course, ViewSonic and a couple of these others that are higher quality monitors that are capable of really being a fantastically, wonderfully calibrated monitor. Uh, this particular one does a 1,000 to 1 contrast ratio, which is pretty high. And that's something that at least it can help you as you're making a decision. I'm not going to say that's the only thing you need to think about, but something like that is definitely pretty good as it relates to the, the variance and how dark and bright it can show. Plus, it comes with a monitor hood. So if you are in an office or in an area that has a little bit of you know light that needs to be kept from getting onto the screen, it comes with a hood. And that's kind of cool. I like that. For me, I use uh, some Dell screens, some of the slightly higher quality Dell screens. But to get a nice higher quality screen, that's something that I would really like to be able to do. And the biggest thing about these, if you, you know, make sure you get the right one kind of a thing, but you can get a monitor that's either really close to or fully supports that Adobe RGB color space. Most monitors will be at the sRGB color space or maybe a little bit more than that. But to get a monitor that has the Adobe RGB color space, that would be really sweet. And that's something that I have monitors that are close to it, but not quite there yet. And so that would be my next goal. I really love that recommendation from Brent. I think that's a fabulous recommendation. I'm asked all the time what kind of monitor is a good one, especially if you're going to add it to like a, a Mac, a MacBook Pro, Mac Mini. Mac Mini is a good option now, by the way, and uh, you can go get that. I, I think I already mentioned that earlier in the episode, but phototacopodcast.com. If you're interested in a Mac Mini, I have a, a photographer's buying guide over there at phototacopodcast.com. I also have it for the MacBook Pro. So the most recent models for both of those things, I, I tell you where it's worth spending money and where it's not. But this monitor, the BenQ monitor is a great monitor. 
there's others that are in the same a similar price range, but I like Brent's pick there. I like the uh, those monitors for adding to a Mac or a PC. They're really good, high quality monitors. Twenty seven inches is like the smallest I'd recommend going for photographers. And that resolution, Brent is exactly right. That is like the ideal, perfect resolution for editing photos right now. Now, four K is going to be awesome someday when it's something that Lightroom can handle better. And in fact, the latest update from Adobe here in December 2018, they added some performance improvements, or at least they said they did. I haven't seen them yet. I haven't tried it. But um, they said that they added performance improvements for 4K and 5K and being able to move around and have Lightroom be a little faster. For right now, I still recommend a smaller resolution, more in the 2K range, that 2560 by 1440 or 2560 by 1600 kind of resolution range. Uh, so that Lightroom can be as performant as possible. The other thing that's really nice is at that resolution, the fonts of the operating system and, and the other utilities that you're using are still a more reasonable size. So if you're having a little trouble seeing at 4K, then, you know, I guess it's too late. You're really in the 4K world anyway, and, and you probably just want to stay there. And I get that. Hopefully the technology is going to ramp up to you. Windows just barely release some things that's going to make that a little better. The uh, The high DPI kind of resolution stuff that they've got there is improving so that you can have a 4K resolution and still have the other things uh, look right. So you, like it's it's going to scale the fonts so that they're they're really legible, or it's going to make the buttons in the tools a lot more usable. So I, I really like that pick. It's a fabulous monitor. BenQ is a great brand, and uh, and I really like that. So that's great. Now let's move on to Brian's pick in this category. Under $1,000. Okay, so I kind of have this addiction to finding a, a great bag, a camera bag and, and computer bags. And I found a leather bag. It's a leather briefcase made by Saddleback, which oh, their their bags are unbelievable. You know, they're a little bit pricey. So that's why this bag fits in my under $1,000 category. But they are beautiful. And I've had this bag now for um, probably probably under a year, but close to it. I've had another bag from them before. Um, if you ever listened to any of the reviews in the past on improved photography, I did a bag review and talked about one of them. But um, they're just, they're so stunning. And the great thing about these bags is because they're leather, like the scratches you get on them just tell stories that will last longer and just kind of, in my opinion, gives it a better look. Uh, plus one of my favorite things is every time I open the bag, you just get this this whiff of leather and maybe there are people out there who they, they don't like that at all. But to me, I love the smell of fresh leather and it seems like with these bags, like you continue to, to smell them over and over each time you use them. Uh, I, have kept it. I use it mainly for my camera bag or not my camera bag. Sorry for my laptop bag. I take it with me when I go to meet clients and it's a pretty impressive bag. Uh, it, it definitely stands out. And so that's one thing that I love about it. Uh, I can fit uh, my external hard drives in there and I do have like an insert case that can go inside the bag for when I do want to carry just like one camera body and a couple lenses. But obviously, it's not a huge backpack. You can't fit all your camera gear in it. But um, this specific bag that I have is the Slim Leather Briefcase from Saddleback. And it's just beautiful. And the smell is terrific. So uh, that is my under 1000 I think it's probably about, I think probably just over $500 right now for that bag. But anything really by Saddleback is amazing quality and just smells wonderful. 
So Brian has an addiction to bags too. Brent and Brian just don't get them together. If they, like if they went to a, a camera store, he'd probably just never get them out of there looking into the bags. <laughs> they just love bags. All right, for me, I am going to recommend something that that I hope is kind of surprising. Maybe something that most of you have not thought of as something that would be on your wish list for Christmas. And I'm going to suggest an advanced astrophotography kit. And um, it's going to be a lens and a star tracker. So this would be a great way, if you're in a rut, to get yourself out of that rut. To go and try something new, to do something that's different, and learn more about how to, to use your camera, how light works. And and uh, the, the, it never fails. Every place, every area I go into in photography... I, I find out there's so much to learn, first of all. There's so many more things you can do. There's a lot more gear in the area, of course. But uh, but it just it, it expands my knowledge. It expands what I know about it. And so for the lens, I'm going to recommend the Rokinon 14mm f2.8. It runs about $300. Um, and they have it for Canon, for Nikon, for Sony, and Fuji. So I'll, I'll put links in the show notes to all of those for, uh, mounts for from the Rokinon lens. Um, they also, uh, it's a manual lens. So that, that's part of what you have to know, meaning <laughs> you use rings on the lens for both focus and aperture. So manual rings on the lens for setting aperture, which is something you've probably never done before, but it's really simple. You just switch over, switch to the aperture. Instead of using a, a dial on your camera, you use a, a lens ring and switch to the aperture you want. You're probably going to lock it in at 2.8 anyway, not really go from there if you're doing astro work. And then, yeah, you have to do manual focus. But when you're shooting night skies, automatic focus is almost useless, actually. And it's much better to uh, to focus yourself, you know, zoom in real tight on your camera, use use live view, zoom in real tight, and uh, and make sure those, sharp, those stars look nice and sharp and circular um, so that you can set the focus that way. So manual lens is not really a big deal for astrophotography. It's just fine. And, uh, and then this lens in is just seriously good with coma and distortion, making it so that on the edges of your scene, of the, the frame, the stars have as good a chance as possible to look nice and sharp and circular instead of round. And uh, so it, it's really, really good for this kind of thing. It's kind of almost purpose-built for astrophotography, really. The Rokinon 14mm f2.8. Check the show notes for links for your lens mount. All right, then there's the Star Tracker. And this is on my wish list. I have the Rokinon lens. I love it. I've used it a lot. And I've been able to get some pretty good results. And you can do just that. If you don't have the $1,000 budget, then then just go get that lens. Um, again, it runs about 330 bucks. But for an additional $450, um, then you can get a Star Tracker. And this is also on my wish list. I don't have it yet. But it's been recommended by a lot of professionals who do astro work that is just incredible. And um, it's Skywatcher branded tracker. So there's the Skywatcher S2510 Star Adventurer Astro Package. That's kind of the base thing that your camera is going to mount to. And that and, and you're, then it's going to control or move your camera along with the sky. And that's what's so powerful about this. Normally, if you don't have a tracker, you can't you have a very limited amount of time that your shutter can be open before those stars are moving 
uh, because the Earth is rotating. And the star tracker makes it so that you can have the shutter open much, much longer, and it will track with the stars, keep them still. Yeah, the foreground's going to move, but then you you put that, you take a separate photo of the foreground, and then you merge the two together, and you get some just phenomenal results, some really impressive stuff. And it's it's so much fun to see. So this that's that's the kind of the core unit that does that. You put your camera on it, and it's going to shift your camera to move with the stars. But then you need a couple other things. You have to attach that to your tripod. And that's uh, the Skywatcher S2530 is the Star Adventure Latitude base. And that, that's what that will do. It'll mount the uh, Astro package to the, the base, to, the, to your tripod. That's about 65 bucks. And then there's a counterweight. Um, so you might be able to get away without having a counterweight, but it's better to have one in case you need it. And that's just kind of balance out your lens and camera combination. And the counterweight, uh, it's the Skywatcher S2540 and 220540 Star Adventurer counterweight, and it's about 30 bucks. So all in, all together, it comes to about $755. So I'm well under the $1,000. And you have that $245 to go spend on like a getaway, to go away for a night, uh, you know, get out pl- someplace dark if you can, or the the gas money to get out there, and or and find some place where away from the city lights, as dark as possible, so that you can do it. Uh, stay in like a hotel maybe because you're going to be out really late at night to get the best light of the stars, um, and then go back. So serious astrophotography kit. It's it's really really fun. All right, now the last category, the last one of this episode, the no limits, no budget, sleep in a bed of sweet, cold, hard cash budget. <laughs> uh, this is where we get to dream, where we get to dream a lot. And uh, and what would we do if we had that kind of uh, funding with our photography? And we're going to start off with Brent. All right, so this next category with no limits, the in one in some ways that's a hard item and in other ways oh man it's so easy just you know whatever and just give it to me what i would look for here i'm really considering switching to the fuji xt3 so i would go with three or four lenses and then i gotta get myself back to guaylin or i shouldn't say back to because i've never been there yet i need to go to guaylin china and a few other areas in china on the border of China and Vietnam, there's De Tian Falls, and that would just be, that is high on my list. I would really love to be able to get back, and I'm just not sure when I can do it. So to have a, to have a windfall of cash would just make that happen, and, and that, would, that would just be like photographic heaven. So uh, something like that, if you're going uh, more than $1,000, an experience is well worth it, in my opinion traveling somewhere, getting somewhere new, and just having a great experience, hopefully, with your camera. I am actually testing the Fuji X-T3 right now. Fuji sent me the camera. I get it for a couple of weeks. I'm going to put it through the ringer. I'm going to shoot some basketball, high school basketball with it. I, I'm going to test it with some portraits. I'm going to test it with flash. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a, a good test and see how it works. Uh, I'm on board with Brent, too. I I think, I mean, I've, I've got the camera right now and I've, I've played a little bit around with it. Uh, really fun camera to shoot. Super, super fun way to shoot that camera. So nice and small and light. The quality, I, I think, is going to be pretty stellar too. I Yeah, it's making me have a hard time figuring out where I would go if I was going to do this. Um, but I am going to pick, that's actually my, my pick for this category, is uh, the Sony mirrorless system. Switching to that, I... 
I just, given the things that I've read, I haven't actually got so much hands-on time with it that I know for sure. I did test the Sony a7R three earlier this summer with my Canon lenses and a Metabones adapter. And there were some challenges, some trade-offs, as you would expect with an adapter like that. But um, I, I really enjoyed using the camera. And if you could have native glass, then that it just seems like the ideal place to be. I like my Canon gear still. I'm, I'm not finding that I need something different for my Canon gear. It's doing great for me. And the cost and expense of switching is just so high. I don't have any anticipation of actually doing it. But we're talking about a scenario where I have all the money I want, all the money I need to do this. I would definitely buy a a full Sony set. So I'd I'd start with the Sony a7R 3 camera body that runs about $3000. Then I'd add the Sony 24 to 70 f2.8 GM lens that's about $2200. Then the Sony 70 to 200 GM OSS lens for $2600. And finally, the Sony 16 to 35 f2.8 GM for about $2200. All in, it's about 10 grand. And it would be so much fun to have that shiny new technology and still have my Canon gear. I get to keep both of them. Uh, My Canon gear doesn't amount to nearly $10,000 either. So it's not like I could exchange one for the other, even if I wanted to. Even if I wanted to give up having a camera for a while, selling off my gear and trying to buy the Sony equipment. It's just out of reach for me without having this unlimited budget like we're, we're dreaming about here. But if I could, that's where I'd spend my money. That's what I would go and, and do and really try that out, give Sony uh, a significant try. Uh, Lord Page has convinced me that it's something worth looking into, and I'd love to, to really give it a, a much better try than I have so far. All right, now let's hear from Brian what his is. Okay. So my no limits, my bed of sweet, cold, hard cash. Uh, really, to me, that that's money that needs to be spent on an experience. So I, I've had the opportunity to go to Iceland. You know, that was my first meetup where I met uh, a handful of people, including uh, Jim Harmer. And so from that kind of got me my foot in the door here with Improved Photography and then obviously with Master Photography Podcast today. And so Iceland has had a, a sweet place in my heart, um, plus in my eyes, because it's such a beautiful place. And then last year, I was also able to go to Norway with my daughter briefly for a few days and drove through that beautiful country. So if I had this unlimited, sweet, uh, cold, hard cash, I would spend it on a first-class ticket to go to both Iceland and Norway and just be able to spend time there. Um, I'd want to be able to go at my own pace and not feel like, okay, four or five days are up. Now I have to get going. I got to get back home. And, um, so I just want to be able to spend time there. And since I have the money, I would also be buying myself the DJI Mavic Pro 2. Um, I have the Mavic Air and I love that. Uh, I'm dis- well, not disappointed. I wish that the camera quality would be better as far as the megapixels go. Uh, but with the D- DJI Mavic Pro 2, it is better and, and it's just sweet. My neighbor has it and I really enjoy um, just playing with that and, and seeing the quality of his images. And plus, I'm, I'm trying to get more into making some videos just to kind of commemorate some of my trips and to make some tutorials that I I hope to come out with more in the future. And so I just think to be able to have that would be sweet. Okay. So Brian, 
first class tickets to Iceland and Norway, and then the DJI Mavic Pro 2. It's uh, That's great. That's Brian's always been one who values experiences. And I agree. If, if you have this much money uh, to spend, then an experience would be really great. And that's why I, I wanted to try to recommend an experience in the Create Photography Retreat that wasn't this much money, that wasn't going to cost you thousands and thousands of dollars to go. It's, it's uh, the most inexpensive way I know of today to have that kind of an experience and uh, and if you can, we'd really love to see you at the retreat. It is a fantastic way to be able to really master your photography and and uh, expand what you know and what you do with your photography. Since this episode's been a really long list of doodads, we're going to forego that part of the episode. And uh, we're going to close it up now by reminding you that you can find everything related to the show over at masterphotographypodcast.com which is important with the show notes. And I, I want to explain just one more time here. If you have a hard time with the show notes because the, your your podcast player is not making links out of our links, then you need to go over to masterphotographypodcast.com. There should be in your player at the bottom of the show notes. They should say something about, click, you know, show an actual link to the show notes. And that's, that's really the intention. It's the common denominator. Most everyone that I have seen does that. And so if you click on that link, then it will open your web browser on your phone and it will take you to the page that has everything in the show notes. And there's full show notes with lots of links. So go check that out, masterphotographypodcast.com. I already mentioned the Facebook group, Master Photography Podcast. Love to have you join that. And then you can find my work at jsharmanphotos.com. Um, my other podcast that will have an episode here shortly in December is phototacopodcast.com. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my workshops there again, and we're going to talk about the top 10 process. And uh, so th- that, that'll be fun. You can look forward to that. And then Facebook, I'm Harmon Jeff, Twitter, Harmon underscore Jeff, and Instagram, Harmon Jeff. And uh, we're going to have Brent's uh, contact information and all of, of his stuff on the show notes as well as Brian. So you can catch up to him and find him. And, uh, and that's going to be it for this episode. I hope you liked it. I hope it worked out that we kind of recorded separately for this episode and recommended a few things. Uh, when we post this in our Facebook group, when I post the link, we'd love to have you put some links to some other ideas that you might have out there in, uh, in Facebook for other gift items that, uh, that you, you would think or that you'd love to have. So go ahead and comment on that. And it's, it's fun to have the community interact that way. And, uh, and it, was, it was great to have you here. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again in another seven days. 